All right. You guys awake? Okay, wow. You guys, you guys are getting used to this, me asking you that, so you're answering a little bit better now. So that's, that's totally good. Because if you're not awake, I will come and wake you up. All right. Um, guys, we're going to start out in Genesis today. Okay, get it? Start out in Genesis. Um, yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yep. Sorry. I had to throw that one in there. All right. If you guys want to turn to Genesis 32, and we'll start and we'll pray. Because we always need prayer. Prayer is a good thing for us. Father, we just thank you for today, God. We thank you for your word, that it is powerful, and that it, it, it uh, pierces into our heart, God, and that it, it uh, reveals things to us, God, that where you want us to be, what you want us to do, and how you want us to grow, God. And we just thank you, God, that you sent your son for us. We thank you that you paid the price so we could have life. And we just are so grateful for that, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as you guys, most of you guys know, I was gone this week. I had to go for work. Oh, yeah, it was gone. We had, uh, I had to go to a uh, tech conference for work, and um, I got to go to Park City, Utah, which is 8,500 feet above sea level. And um, apparently it's harder to breathe there, but I live in a house of three women, so I'm used to breathing in... <laughs> it's a joke. So, just kidding. I have two daughters and a wife, and um, yeah, so... There's not a lot of oxygen in the air when they're all going. I love them, wouldn't change it, but they're funny. Yes, I do have a ride home. Jordan's going to give me a ride home today. So anyway, all right. So yeah, we were 8,000 feet above sea level, and um, I, we just got to stay at a really cool uh, resort, and it was really cool because like literally you, look, you open your porch and you know, back window, and then there's, you know, there's hills. So, um, and... So you know, you start out at eight thousand feet above sea level. So right now we're about eight hundred feet above sea level. So it really kind of adds to it. Um, the 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 temperature is different, the humidity is different, and the the air pressure is different. And they say it's harder to breathe, but it was, really wasn't. You got used to it. I don't know. Sarah says it was. I didn't really care. I'm, but um, but I, we were. We were out, uh, I can't remember, it was either day one or day two, because we spent most of the week out there. And we were, you know, after getting there, getting from the airport, checking in and, and doing everything, we went and took a, a, a walk, and we hiked up um, about another maybe 500 to 800 feet. And it was, it was kind of cool because we started out, and you just, like, you literally, you know, like three blocks from the hotel is literally the start of the mountain. So it, it, there's no, like, I walked 12 miles to go up the mountain. It literally was like back, back door. So we started walking up the mountain, and it was it was really cool because we walked by this this old mining cave, and it was, you know, it was uh, super cold air. I'm walking by, and I was probably from me to the wall, and I'm feeling this cold air. So we walked towards the uh, the cave, and it literally was just rush of cold air coming out. So we, we started walking up the mountain, and you know, first thing I noticed um, before I even went out there, I'm looking up, I'm like there's like six forms of rattlesnakes out there. So I'm like, oh great, I'm like you know like looking where I'm gonna go. It really wasn't that bad, but so we started to walk up the mountain, and it was like, it was great. We started walking, and then we got up to a certain point, and it was like the humidity was there, and it was like you could feel the humidity and the air pressure had changed when we got to that certain point, and you're like, okay, where do we keep, do we keep going on this? Or Because you're sweating, but then there's cold air coming off the mountain. So you've got this, you're in a, like a cold sweat while you're walking up the mountain. And, you know, we're like, okay, do, and we, we got to a certain point where we're like, do you want to keep going? 
because it was like you could tell like the the temperature changed the uh the way you breathe changed and we're like okay do we do we want to keep going so it, it really and we we kept going up and we kept going up and it was really cool to to be up there and um I'll post some more pictures on Facebook of some of the the areas that I went to but it made me start to think of um as Christians we have certain levels that we go to um your level of growth is dependent on how willing you are to move through those those low pressure and those high pressure times. You know, uh, low pressure is easy in life because there's no pressure. It's just like, oh yeah, I just float through life. And then there's those high pressure seasons in our life where it's like, oh, something's going wrong, something's bad, something, and it may not even be bad. It's just a high pressure time where it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this and how, if I want to go through this. Am I willing to go through this? And you can stay where you're at in, our, in life. We can stay where we're at in our walk with Christ. And he's okay with that. I didn't say he accepts that, but he's okay with that. He says, okay, you can stay here and, and just be good enough, and you're still going to go to heaven. But his plan for you is to go to the next level. And it says, it says we go from victory, glory to glory, and victory to victory. So we can stay where we're at. And he's like, okay, you just want to stay where you're at. And he, he's not going to force us to go. But he's like, I have a next level for you. I have a higher level for you. And you can stay where you're at, but to explore and to walk out your true calling, you have to push through sometimes areas that it feels like it won't end. You guys ever been in a season where it just feels like it's not going to end? And it may not be a, a bad season. It may just be a, a weird season of like, there's just, I feel like I'm floating and you, your, your relationship with God is growing, but you just feel like you're floating. And it's like, am I going to, is this season going to end? Is this season going to, to move up or what? Or then, then there's the, the hard seasons where you're like, is this season going to end? And you're like, God, I need this season this, to stop because I need to, to go on. But it really made me think, and it kind of, God gave me three things that as we move in our walk with him and our, and our life with him and there's three things that he really pushes us through. And I'm going to, first one is, is before you go into your walk with God, he has to establish identity. Identity is established when you are born again. Your identity, as soon as you're born again, your identity is established. But finding your identity and having revelation of your identity are two different things. Your identity is wrapped up in what you talk about the most. What you talk about the most is where your identity usually is. So think about what you talk about the most. Think about what you say the most. And your identity usually is wrapped up in that. I talk about ice cream and candy a lot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Um, I do like candy. Um, so. But your identity is easy to find, but walking it out and coming into the identity is always not the easiest, but sometimes it may take longer than you expect. But what happens is, is if, you're, if, you're, if you struggle for identity, if you struggle, and that's the, the, the first thing God wants to put into you is identity because the rest of it will come once identity is you find purpose and value in yourself. So your identity is easy to find, but walking it out may not be the easiest because what you have to do is you have to start to change things because your identity says, no, that's you... You do something, and the true identity is now that's not exactly who you are. So, 
if you struggle with identity and value, don't let that become your identity. Identity is, is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Our value is wrapped up in who he is, not what we do. And what happens is a lot of people uh, in church, they, they wrap their identity in what they do and what they can become. It's like, oh, I can do this. I'm this. I did this. God finds value in me because of this. No, that's not true. God finds value in you because of who he is. He finds value in you because of Jesus Christ. He saw value in you because he sent his son to die for you while you were still a sinner. Christ died for us. And so what is, is he sees value in you, but he sees you clean. He sees you whole. He sees you uh, with purpose under the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ covers you and it makes you holy and pure. So if you keep not being able to find identity, and, and, and as we grow in our, in our walk with God, we get higher and we get higher and we get higher. And he, I was kind of just thinking about that as we were going, uh, walking these trails, because we were running into to all kinds of different people, and there's little signs along the trail that says, smile and say hi to people as you, as you go along the trail, because how many of you guys know when you're walking a trail and you bump into somebody, and they just look at you and go, you're like, I'm going to turn around and go back this way, you know, it's like, but, and so we were walking up the trail, and it, may, it just made me start to, to to realize the different people that you met along your way. Sometimes we almost got run over by mountain bikers just flying. I mean, these guys are just like, you, all you hear is their, their, their gears going and the, and the little buzz of their, of their chain, and all of a sudden, boom, they're there on top of you. And we're not talking like 100 feet. We're talking 20 feet, and all of a sudden, boom, they're right around the corner, and you're just like, you're just trying to find a place to step off and not fall off. And... Yeah, and it's the scariest thing because most people are friendly and they're just like, hey, we got two more people behind us. But then there's some people that are just like a blur and they just go by you and you're just like, I'm glad I stepped out of the way in time. And, um, and they're not wearing helmets. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's really kind of scary. But So identity comes from listening to God. Your identity what you identify with will become your identity. So who do you identify with? What, what, what brands you? What makes you his? Or have you not been branded or made his? So if we look, if we look at being part of his body, it means that we are bought with a price. And it means that our life is not ours anymore. That our life should be a sacrifice to him. It's not, well, what can I get out of this? It's my identity is so tied up with Jesus and so tied up with God that I start to think like him and I start to, to talk like him. And the words that come out of your mouth are the closest thing to your identity. So what are you, what are you talking about the most? What are you speaking the most? Because they will identify you. Identity comes from listening to God. It comes from hearing God. And if you don't have identity and you're struggling with finding identity, it's because you're not hearing what he has to say or you're not listening to what he has to say. Because every day he speaks identity over you. You, can go, you cannot go through a single scripture where he doesn't talk about who you are and what he's created you for. Because it all comes back to this. This is, this is all of this is a... Is a a letter of instruction and love towards us to let us understand what he's created us for and who he is. You know, it's like, well, I'm just struggling with identity. And it's like, you know what? Struggles end, though. 
Struggle doesn't go on forever. If you keep struggling, then you're on the struggle bus. And and, and how many of you guys know, there's two doors on each bus. Usually you can get off the bus. We rode the, bu- we rode the bus a lot this week, and it's, it's great. I love it. We love public transportation. You just get on, and you just chill out. No driving, no stress, nobody you know, flipping you off because you accidentally pulled in front of them. You just get on, you pull the little cord, and you're like, oh, this is where I get off of here. So struggle ends because when you're on it, you just say, oh, pull the cord. I'm, I, this is my stop. I get off here. This is where I belong. So we look at identity, and... Even some of the greatest fathers of our faith struggled with it. So if you guys turn to Genesis 32, 22. Look at Jacob. Jacob, as you go, as, if you know the Bible, you've read the story of Jacob and Esau. Um, Jacob, his name basically means trickster. Um, you know, he wasn't exactly the most... Um, upright, standing, upstanding citizen. He always kind of tricked people out of things. If you, um, you look, it's kind of funny because he tricked his brother out of something. And then uh, he got duped by somebody else. And, he, and God's just like, that's just payback. You, you do it to one person, it's going to end up having it in you. He, yeah, exactly. He just reaped what he, uh, he sowed originally with his brother. So verse 22. So Jacob is coming back into the land of his, his relatives. And and it says here in verse 22, it's the same night that he arose and took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 children across the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had, and that Jacob was left alone. And so some translations of the Bible, the heading above this says, Jacob wrestles with God. And then some translations say Jacob wrestled with an angel. Either way, God or angel, that's still God coming into his life. So it says this way, and he wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When Jacob, excuse me, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So think about this. Jacob is wrestling with an angel or God. One of the two, it really doesn't matter. And the man saw that he could not prevail. So think about this. Jacob is wrestling with an angel or God so much that the, the, they realize they cannot prevail over Jacob. And so he, they touch his hip socket and to put his hip out. But I, and I'll explain to you why he was doing this. So he put his hip out and then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall be no longer Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. So what I love about this is, Jacob was coming to a point where, coming back into the land, he knew his brother Esau was coming for him. Because Esau wasn't exactly happy because what happened was Jacob stole his birthright. He stole the blessing that he was supposed to have. And um, that probably didn't make Esau too happy. I mean, you know, everything that he was supposed to get is now belonging to Jacob. 
And so Jacob is heading back into it. He's fearing for his life. And then an angel shows up, and he's like, you know what? I need something from him. And Jacob is literally wrestling for identity with him. Because what happens is, is he's, he wants a blessing. What happens is, is it, says like, it says right here, it says, um, what is your name? And then he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. So he's wrestling for identity. The angel, or God, gives him new identity and says, your name is no longer this, but this. But what happens is, when he gets identity, blessing comes. New identity gave, gave him new blessing. And, and I think so many times we, we struggle with identity and, and we're like, God, I want you to bless me. But he's like, I want you to have identity so I can bless you. You know, we're like, well, God, this is what I need and this is what I want. And he's like, okay, I'm not a maid service. I'm not a concierge service. I want you to have this so you can have this. First of all, walking into a relationship with God means that you give up what you want and you allow him to tell you what you should do. Identity means from the moment you are born again, you have a, you're a new creation, you have a new identity. So that identity, on you, you have some work to do. What a lot of Christians don't like is they have actually have to work, do some work. Um, that means you have to investigate your identity. You have to understand who you are. Excuse me. And... when you discover who you are, when the angel revealed who he was, with that came blessing. So when we understand who we are, and when we, understand, when we see who we are in God, who has created us, gives us that identity, blessing comes from that. And, but we want blessing without walking into this. We, we kind of live in a consumer culture where we like, okay, I want Pop-Tart um, Christianity. I want to go f- for two minutes in the toaster, pops up, and I've got everything I need. But it doesn't work that way. If you look throughout Scripture, you look throughout history, it comes with struggle, it comes with striving, it comes with obedience. Because Abraham was obedient to God. What, did, what came out of obedience to God? Obedience to God came from with identity because what happens is he changed his name. If you look at a lot of the people in the Bible who had immense blessing, their names got changed. Abraham, I changed a name from Abram to Abraham. That means you're going to be the father of many nations that a blessing will come upon you. He changed his wife's name and blessing came upon them. What's funny is, is they didn't, his son's name didn't change. Abraham, Isaac, didn't change. But Jacob's name changed. Because the son was the blessing, but the, uh, Isaac's son didn't, didn't get the blessing. Because, or, or Isaac's, Esau didn't get the blessing. Jacob got the blessing because he wrestled with God. And he said, you know, what? I'm going to surrender to God. And, I'm not, and he's like, I'm going to hold on to this. I want something more. I want a new identity. Because he realized what a life he was living. And he wanted something new out of it. He says, I can't live this way. I need to have an identity where I know who God is. You know, as we were walking up that hill, sometimes it was like, it was like, okay, you could feel this. And it was, it was really weird because there's this humidity line in the mountain. And you're walking up 
and you can feel it, and you're just like, you're like, you know, you guys ever had, well, we know what it's like, 98% humidity around here, and it's like you go outside and you breathe, and it's heavy, and it's like, I could swim through this. So imagine that, but then cold air rushing off. So you're, you literally can almost see, it was weird, there were some points where the humidity was so deep, you could almost see your breath with the cold air coming off, and it was just a, a weird thing standing there. And so we're, we're walking up, and it's a, there's a, like an overwhelming feeling of like, let's just, just, let's just stay here. Let's just rest here. And it, we were, there was a couple of times I'm like, do you want to keep going? And she's just like, yeah. She doesn't do well with high humidity. Like when she was walking, she's like, <gasps> she, yeah, she kept going. But that was the thing. It's like, do we stop here or do we keep going? Do we, do we rest here? Or do we keep going to the top to, to see what's at the top? You know, we could have sat back and said, yeah, it's good enough. We got a good enough view here and went back. But we would have missed what's at the top. We would have missed what's, what we had seen along the way. And, you know, walking through that, we're, we're going through pine forest. We're going through birch. We're going through aspen. And it's, and it's like there's rocks, there's clay. It, and we're enjoying what we were seeing as we were going up. And, and we broke a certain point where it was like, okay, w- the humidity was gone. It was like, okay, we can breathe better now. There was like a certain point in that line where it was like, my gosh, it, it's gone. We, we were breathing fine after that. But there was like that breaking point. We had to push through to get to it. So we could have sat back, but it was like, okay, I want to get to that point. You look at the children of Israel. They had identity. God said, you are my people. I've given you a land of promise. I'm giving you this. Everything's going to be provided for you. But they didn't have identity. So they walked into the promised land, looked at it, and said, eh, looks like it's too hard. I don't, really want to, I don't really want to have to deal with that. Because they didn't realize who was fighting with them. They didn't realize who they were. So they spent 40 years wandering around a mountain trying to figure out who they were. I don't want to be that. I don't want our people in our church to be that. I don't want to be a people of, we're just going to keep wandering until we figure out who we are. You know, when people say, oh, I just need to go find myself. Well, if you lost yourself, you should have never lost yourself. You should have looked to God to find it. You know, I, I, I get people telling me that all the time. Well, I just needed to go find myself. It's not that hard to find yourself in here. It'll tell you who you are in, in this book. All you have to do is open it and read it. Do a search that says in him on, the, on Google and find out what it says about that. You'll be really surprised at what it says. Just that search alone will give you enough to establish you as a, a placeholder and an identity in your life. Don't be like the children of Israel who wandered for 40 years. God gives identity if you want it. If you don't want it, you'll just wander. You'll come in and out. You'll leave. You'll come back. You'll go, and you'll have a relationship. It'll be strong. It'll be weak. And then you'll be like, well, you know, I guess it's just not working out for me. We have to quit chasing who we think we're supposed to be and actually accept who God wants us to be. Too many people are like, well, I should be this because I feel like I need to be this. And God's like, you are not this. This is who you are. Your identity should not be 
what you think you should be or what people want you to be. God says, this is who you are. You will grow in that, but you have to accept who I've made you to be. Too many people don't like who God has created them to be. So they try to be someone else. They try to have someone else's gifts, someone else's call, someone else's abilities. And they're just like, you know, I'd rather be this. And it's like, but you're, you're operating outside of your, your mode of what God has called you to do. So don't let excuses keep you from climbing up. Find the identity, dive into who God is in his, his word and find out if you want it. Sometimes you just need to shut up and just say, okay, be like Samuel and say, speak, Lord, your servant's here. You know what? Samuel, that little passage of scripture is so key because a lot of us need to shut our mouths and say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. Our identity will come through that. Samuel got his identity from laying in bed at night from an old man saying, oh, wait a minute, I know who, who's speaking to you. God's speaking to you. Go back to your bed, and next time you hear the voice calling out Samuel, say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. He will tell you who you are, but we have to get out of that performance-based Christianity of what I'm going to do is going to please God. Nothing you can do can please God. He is pleased by you because of who you are in him. He loves you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent his son. If he didn't think you had value, he wouldn't have sent his son. So why do, you, why do we do all these things or don't do all these things in order to, well, I didn't do this and I didn't say this and I didn't do that and God's happy with me. It doesn't, that's not going to make him happy with you. He's not impressed by what you do. We can't impress him. I mean, he's creator of the universe. It's hard to impress the creator of the universe. I mean, come on, really? But so the first thing is we need to establish identity. You know, it's, it is key for us to move on in our, in our walk with him is by establishing identity. The next one, next one is this, and there's three things in this, and it is dedication, commitment, and consistency. That's a lot right there. But we're going to go into this. So, your dedication will show up in the things you do. What takes precedence in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? My question to you, what is more important than reaching people for the kingdom of God? What is more important than bringing people in that are lost and, let, and having them be found and raised to new life. What is better than seeing someone's life transformed, brought out of addiction into freedom? See, what happens is, is, is people think, well, I'm dedicated. Dedication is great, and we need dedication. But dedication... is only part of it. See, you see a lot of people, they're like, I have talent. Talent only takes you this far. Dedication will bring you farther. I've seen people with very little talent, but they're so dedicated that it's like, you know what? I can put them in places and have them do things that a person with more talent, I wouldn't put into place. 
I've had people that can speak well and are charismatic and it's like, you know what? But you're not dedicated. You're not committed to this. And I'll take a person that has very little talent, but they love God and they're so dedicated to it. And I'll say, you know, you do this because you have, the, you have a heart to serve. Talent will only take you so far, but your character and the fear of the Lord will take you a lot farther. It'll take you farther than you can imagine. But it's like, well, I have talent. I've had people come to me, well, I have talent. I want to, I want to, I want to speak. I'm like, really? Okay. Well, if you come to church more than once a month, you might be able to. Um, anyway. Um, but 1 Kings 6, or 861 says, Let your heart be there holy, true to the Lord our God, walking in his ways and keeping his commandments as this day. So, commitment and dedication says, let your heart be truly to the Lord. Walk in his ways, keeping his commandments. It really isn't that hard to keep his commandments. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. There's two things you do. Love God and love other people. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love others as yourself. Loving others as yourself comes with identity because if you, can't, if you don't have identity and you don't find value in yourself, it's going to be hard to value other people. Commitment sa- says, I'm committed to this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be consistent in what I do. Galatians 6, 9 says, and do not grow weary for doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. See, I could, we could have sit, sat the halfway of part of the mountain and said, this is good enough. View's kind of nice from here. And Ben, yeah, we'll go on. But we didn't. We're going we're gonna to say, we're going to go all the way to the top. We're going to be dedicated to going up there. I'm like, we looked at it. We're like, man, that doesn't look too bad. And we, we went from the distance. And then when you get up to it, you're like. And it's not straight up. You know, it's like six miles of this, 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 this. And so... It's the winding that gets boring. It gets, it's like, ugh, another winding time. Now I got to turn this way. Now I'm turning left. And that's where people start to give up because it isn't instant gratification. I'm not at the top of the mountain. I'm not at the best view. And they're like, well, this is just boring. So I'm just going to be done with it. But dedication is what brings you to the top of the mountain. If you're bored with Christianity, you need to reassess. Not who, what Christianity is, not what God is, but what you're, who, what you're believing and what you're doing in your life. Dedicate yourself to him. You know, we bring our kids in when they're babies and we dedicate our kids to them. And we're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm dedicating my kid. But then you get home and you live like hell. And it's like, we dedicate our kids to God, then walk, then, then walk out a life that you want your kids, that you dedicated to God to see. You know, we, we, we dedicate our kids and then you wonder why your kids, when they're old, and, old enough to live on their own, don't go to church because they've seen what our lives are like without it. And they're like, well, I, my, I went to church with my parents. So? I went to church with my parents too. I lived like hell for a bunch of years. So it doesn't, really, uh, doesn't matter if you go to church or not. It's about what, what your relationship Yes, I'm not saying don't go to church. What I'm saying is you can go to church your entire life and still live like hell on the weekends. 
You can, you can go to church, be volunteering, and still raise your kids to live like hell. But dedication comes with consistency. We have to be consistent in what we do. We can't be like, well, you know what? I really love God, and then the next week be like, oh, I don't know about this whole God thing. You know, we, we have to be consistent in serving God because we have to be consistent in serving others. Serving God comes from a heart for loving others. We don't just serve others because it's like, well, you know, they look like they need a hand. No, it comes from having a heart for them. It comes from having the heart of God in us saying, I love people because I see them in need. God loves them, and I, I, I want to help them, and I want to serve them. We don't come to church just to get served. We come to church to serve other people, to bless the people around us. You know, dedicate yourself to being fully activated in every area of church. It, it's not about, well, I just come to church, and I enjoy it, and I get something out of it. Don't just show up for the things you like. Show up for the things that you don't necessarily like, but to serve others, and it will help others. We live in, a, in the, the fast food era where, you know, you walk into a, you can walk into any grocery store now and get fast food. You know, you walk into any place and you can get anything quickly. And I think so many times we want to come to church, get served, get blessed, and walk out the door and not have any connection with what is around us. You know, we become so casual about it. We come to church when it's convenient. The victory in a battle doesn't come by being a convenient Christian. It comes from being dedicated to God and committed to his body. It comes from having a consistent walk. You know, one day it's like, I just believe God's going to take care of all my needs. And the next day it's like, hey God, you remember me? He, he's looking for consistency because who he is is consistent. He doesn't like, well, you know, I don't know if I really want you as my child today. And the next day, well, you know, I really love you. And the next day, mm, not so happy with you. He's not that way. But we view him that way sometimes. We act that way sometimes. You know, I, I was, Sarah and I were talking a while back, and, you know, it was funny because, you know, growing up in church, in our various forms of church as we were kids, and, and then being in leadership, you know, you know, we were 21 and 19 when we got asked to start doing youth group and different things like that. We were just married, and... Um, and we still have the book, and it's funny because it's like, gosh, I don't even know how many years old, 20 years old almost. And, um, yeah, Jared and Kaylee are reading it right now. But it, it just says, Matt and Sarah, you show wisdom beyond your years. Because when they sat, they had, and I'm not, I'm not trying to brag at all, but I'm just saying this. Is, and I'm not, I'm just saying is, the people who brought it, took us out. They said, hey, we want to have lunch with you. They just brought us out, and they said, we really see wisdom in you guys, and we want you guys to be part of leading youth group. We said, okay. And they asked us, how old are you? We were like, I'm a, I had just turned 21, and Sarah was still 19, and they're like, and they're like, 
okay, that'll work. You know, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, but God, we had said, yes, we had our own issues. Yes, we had our faults, but we had dove into something that said, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of what God is doing. I want to be available to do what he wants us to do. And our, our identity was wrapped up in him. If you want wisdom, look in identity. Find your identity. God will give you wisdom for it. So Sarah and I were talking about how, you know, when bringing people in and bringing leadership, the first thing you look for in leadership and moving people to the next level is how well they serve others. You don't look at how well they speak. You don't look at how well they dress. You look at how well they serve others. Because if they can't serve others, they'll never be a leader. Because if you can't serve others, you're selfish. If you're a servant, that's half the battle. We can grow the rest of it. Character will grow. Ability, talent will grow. But it's about serving others. If you have a heart to serve others, you'll grow. The last one is this. You have to be focused. Focusing on what God has called you to do. We need to focus on these two things, and that's God and that's people. It's, it's super simple. Love God and love other people. Love your neighbor. Matthew 22, verse 37 says this. Says, this is through verse 40. It says, Jesus answered them, Love your God with every passion of your heart and all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. I love it. He says every thought. And then Paul says, Take every thought captive. That's a, that, that can be a tough one sometimes. And then Jesus says, this is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is important. Love your neighbor in the same way as you love yourself. Contained in these commandments, to love you will find all the meaning of the law of the prophets. And then Colossians 3.2 says this. So if you are serious about living the new resurrection of life in Christ, act like it. I love it. It's just super, the message is just, I love the message Bible because it's just super blunt and to the point. It elaborates on some things, but it's just like this. You know, this is Paul. And, and if you know Paul in reading his, his, his um, the books that he wrote and the letters that he wrote, he's not just one of these guys that's like, well, you know, um, I really would like you to do this. And if you could, Paul's just like, do it. He, he, does, he doesn't pull, hold any punches. And he's just like, just do what you're supposed to do. Pursue the things. If you're serious about it, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert of what you're doing around. That's where the action is. See from Christ's perspective. I think so many times we come in as a consumer and we like, what can I get out of this? How can I sit in my seat, receive blessing, receive insight, receive wisdom, and then go back out? You know, are you serious about this? Are we serious about this life or are we just here for one and a half hours of feel good and then I go out for the week? Is this just your pep talk for the week and then you go out? If this is all we have for 1.5 hours out of the day for one week and there's nothing else that we're, we're putting into our lives, there's a real deficit there's a real deficit because what, how do we love others? It's from overflow. And how do we get overflow? It's from having a relationship with God. 
Overflow needs to be the best. It can't be whatever's the bottom of the barrel. You know, we have too many people that want to be bottom of the barrel Christians. We just scrape out the bottom. Here you go, God, this is what I got left and good luck with it. And I hope it's not bad. But an hour and a half, two hours a week, if this is the only thing that's in your life, there needs to be more. There has to be more. There has to be some focus on, okay, I went to church. Now, what am I going to do the rest of the week? Like when one of the things that we do when we travel is we may not take our Bible with us, but there's always something. Like I always have, um, one of my favorite things to do is take one of the Passion Translations because they're, they're broke down in different books. So I'll throw one in. Like I took Isaiah with me when we went on our trip. And a couple months back, um, we went someplace for the weekend. I threw Matthew in, in, the, in the bag. I just take him with me because even if it's not, I didn't read the whole thing. It's just one page. If it's one chapter, Every day, just reading something because it, you need to, to have some kind of flow of freshness into your life from God, from heaven. If you don't have a, 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 a consistent flow of heaven into your life, you're, you're, you know, you've ever been in a swamp? Swamps usually have a bunch of stuff floating on the top and it's pretty and kind of green from a distance. And then you get up to it and you step into there and you sink and you sink. And that, that uh, little pretty green stuff on the top is actually stuff from all the way from the bottom to the top. And it's gross and it's slimy and it's stagnant. And then you get swimmer's itch and then you have to, you know, scrub it off you. And don't be that little stagnant pool. Have a constant flow of heaven into your life. Have a constant flow of scripture into your life, of wisdom from God into your life. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says this, focus on a goal. Your goal is to have more of heaven in your life, is to have a flow of heaven into your life. Paul says this, I'm not saying that I have it all together, this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. And this is Paul. I love how Paul, who is, is an apostle to all these different churches, he says, I, I'm not an expert in this. I still haven't got it all together. Makes me feel so much better. Um, but he says, but I've got my eyes on the goal, where God is beckoning me towards, to Jesus. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. Paul had a goal. Like when we were walking up there, it was like, okay, we didn't, we, we had a goal that was the top. We didn't really, we just enjoyed what was going on around us. We weren't like, how far are we? You know, like, do we have time to get up there? And it was like, okay, we know where we want to go. This is where we're going to go. And we just enjoyed what was around us. And being up there, it was like, you started to realize, especially when the, the next couple of days we went up to about 9,500 feet. And you started to realize who God is how awesome he is and how good of a creator he is. But we had a goal to get, this is where we're going to go, but we're not going to just focus on the goal. We're going to focus on what's going on around us. We, we, were, we met people, we talked to people, we enjoyed the, the time going up there, but we knew that this is where I have to go. We have to focus on him. We have to focus on this is where God is. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That means there's a perpetual line of people following Jesus. 
There's a perpetual line of people because you know what? I follow Christ, my kids follow Christ. My wife follows Christ, my kids follow Christ. My wife follows Christ, other people follow Christ. We're learning from the people ahead of us. That's why Paul says, I don't get it all together. But he had a focus on Jesus. So when we focus on his kingdom, God's going to add those things to your life. But we want all the things added to our life without the focus. We're like, oh, God, I want it all. Give it to And you're just stumbling around like, you know, someone who's had a little too much on a Friday night. Um, but Paul says, don't focus on the things of the world. They distract you. We get so focused on, well, the job, the money, the car payment, the house payment, you know, oh, this show, that thing. And, and none of those are bad, but if they become your focus. All of it becomes greater than God. They distract you. They distract you from the things of God. And what happens is the kingdom becomes blurry. You guys ever had glasses and then one day you're like, yeah, not being able to see so well. And then you get new glasses. You're like, wow. A couple years ago, Layla got glasses. We didn't realize she needed glasses until she had an eye exam at school or something like that. And um, she got glasses and she kept doing this. Wow. And it was hilarious because John and Donis were over, I think. And Layla was like, I can see stuff now. And, and she was just like, she's like it's, like, it's actually clear and it's blue. And it's like, and she, and it became clear to her. But what happens is, is sometimes we, we take off or we don't put on what God has asked us to put on, the, the, to be able to have clear vision. Because we get so focused on what's going on around us and everything that we have in front of us. Paul says, don't put your head down and keep focused on those things. Look forward towards Christ. You can't follow Christ if you're looking down. You have to stay focused on him, look forward, because when you look forward, you'll see where he's going. But we do this. I hope that's his footprint. And we, we, we weave in and out. And we're wondering why we struggle. He says, stay focused. Don't get distracted. And stay focused on the kingdom. Don't let it become blurry to you. Because the more you focus on everything around you, the, king, the kingdom of God becomes blurry. And you're just like, yeah, it looks okay over here. How, the kingdom has everything we need. The kingdom of God has everything we need. God can provide everything we need at any moment that we need it. So why do we take focus off of that and say, well, you know, that looks a little like it could provide my needs a little bit better. It's because identity slips away. And the more you do that, identity slips away. And the more you do that, identity slips away. Little piece by little piece by little piece. And then you're just like, who am I again? What do I believe? Where do I go? What do I do? He says, but I've got my eyes on the goal where God is beckoning me onward to Jesus. Stay focused on him. Be committed to him. And look to him for identity. Because he's faithful. He's faithful to give. If we're in need, he is faithful to give. If we're in lack, he is faithful to give. And Jesus says, if you lack wisdom, ask. It's as simple as asking. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray.